This podcast is brought to you from our friends at Tincata Protective Fabrics, Emergency Networking, MagnaGrip, and IFSTA. Well, good evening, everybody, and uh, welcome to the Backstep. This is Ronnie K uh, in uh, northern New York, not too far north, just north of the Bronx. Uh, up in Westchester County, New York. And uh, you can see we have four, four Hollywood squares today instead of two. Uh, but I'll go right to my partner, Tommy. Uh, Tommy, hey, what's going on out west there, Tom? Uh, it's snow up in the north country. So uh, we're supposed to get down to 20 degrees tonight. I'm bringing the brass monkey in off the front porch. And uh, life is good. <laughs> Perfect. The brass monkey, huh? Uh, yeah, it was it's weird. It was weird here yesterday. It was I was in South Jersey yesterday. It was eighty five degrees in Tom's River, New Jersey. Wow. Come out of come out of teaching about three o'clock. It's a it's a hot summer day. People are wearing shorts. They're going in the pool. And today it's forty five and raining. So uh, we had our, our our Indian summer is gone now. And bingo, here we are we're heading into winter. So it is what it is. Hey, uh, Welcome you, everybody up. I hope you don't mind me uh, jumping in on top of uh, our two great guests coming. But uh, I also wanted to mention the passing of uh, John McGrath, uh, former deputy commissioner of Philadelphia Fire Department and chief of the Raleigh Fire Department. Ron, you had the uh, the the honor of attending the services, and uh, how how did things go? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. I, I I was I had a note to talk about John. Uh, for those for those of you on on the cast. Uh, John was our uh, Memorial Weekend Incident Commander with the Fallen Firefighters Foundation for about 15 years. And we got to all, all of us on this screen, got to work very closely with John. Um, and so last Friday in Philadelphia, we, 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 we gave him a, a, a final send off. Uh, it was well attended. Uh, Philly came out, Raleigh came out, a lot of friends and family. And, and again, I had the honor to speak at the reception after, after the internment and, uh, it was uh, it was very surreal. I will tell you that it was just a very surreal moment. You know, John was a bigger than life character, so to speak. You know, he just was. He was bigger than life. When he walked in the room, it was always buzzing and and just uh, you know when he had when he had command presence in, in in our command center, he had command presence. It was no doubt. You knew who was in charge of the room. You didn't have to ask uh, whatever it was. So we uh, we got a chance to bid him a fond farewell and. and uh, at the tender age of, of 70, uh, cancer took him like it's taken so many of, of our brothers and sisters in the fire service. And it, it should give all of us more um, uh, more push and, and more uh, uh, commitment to, to having our younger people pay attention and say, this cancer thing is real, you know, and we, we need to we need to take care of it. So uh, I'm glad you brought it up, Tommy. Uh, but, uh, yeah, John, John will be missed. Uh, he has a big family. It was ironic. Uh, a couple of his brothers. It looked like like it looked like his mom had like triplets. There were two more McGraths walking around. I mean, they looked like him. They talked like him. Uh, but his all his sons, his grandkids. It was it was as sad as it was. It was uplifting to see his family coming together like that, and uh, they're kind of a tight knit bunch. Uh, so uh, with that, uh, Tommy, th thank you, and and we'll ask everybody watching to just keep John McGrath and his family in your in your thoughts and prayers. He was a, he was a great firefighter, a great chief. A, a great guy to be with and did a lot of work for the fallen firefighters foundation and, and really uh, was a, a fireman's fireman, so to speak. Uh, so with that, as you can see folks, uh, we have uh, two, uh, two uh, guest stars today, uh, you know, right out of central casting. <laughs> uh, and, and on my screen, he's, he's in the upper right corner. I don't know where he is on your screen, but uh, Victor Stagnaro is the, the new, the new uh, chief executive officer of the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation. Upon the retirement of Ron Sonicky, uh Victor has uh, taken the reins. And uh, his, of course, his slot got vacated as the managing director. And Gary Critchbaum on my lower left uh, is now the managing director. He was with the FRCE for a while uh, doing programs. And I have the, 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 the distinct honor, Tommy and I have the distinct honor to work with these, these two gentlemen at for the Memorial Weekend, we do, we work on them throughout the year, so we're not just together on that weekend, but work all year round together as a team to bring that Memorial Weekend to as good as it can get. So, uh, welcome, guys. We're glad you're here. We're honored to have you with us tonight, and uh, we're going to get to the nitty gritty right away. So, uh, 
we're going to ask you some questions uh, and, and, you know, well, it just, it's kind of informal, you know, keep, but you keep your shirts on. All right. We don't go bare chested <laughs> on this show, uh, so, but it is informal. But uh, so I'm going to start with you, Victor, uh, give us, give us a little uh, history, a little background on your fire service career and, and uh, you know, and how you got, how you got to where you are today. Sure. Uh, yeah. Thanks for the opportunity, Ron and Ron and Tom. Thanks for uh, mentioning John McGrath. Um, he truly was a leader among leaders. And I, those of us who've had the opportunity to work with him, we know we're better people having worked under him and, and been in connected with him. So, uh, yeah, our thoughts and prayers go to his family and, and uh, we will remember him for, for as long as we live because he's that kind of guy. So uh, thanks for mentioning that. Uh, my fire service career started off as a, uh, a volunteer member in Montgomery County, uh, Maryland in Silver Spring, just outside of Washington, D.C., right on the border. and um, one uh, one night during a big snowstorm, uh, the firehouse was getting uh, renovated, and um, the, it, the firehouse is now a restaurant. So it's 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 been redone across the street from where it was at the time. But um, uh, the, all the bantering going back and forth in the uh, in the bunk room, and the bunk room was actually the day room because everything that was being worked on as the firehouse was being rehabbed. And I thought, you know, if I could do this and get a paycheck too, I think that'd be the best thing that could ever possibly happen to me. So I started applying and um, I, I got hired in Prince George's County, uh, did 25 years there, uh, retired as a deputy. And um, just, you know, like most of us who've been able to wear a uniform, just glad to be able to have done it and um, and proud to have been able to do it. And, and I'm honored to be able to serve in the capacity I'm in now. How'd you get locked locked in with the with the foundation, and how how long ago was that? Like, was that in the middle of your career, or yeah? So, uh, nineteen ninety eight. Um, I was either ninety seven or ninety eight. Uh, Ron Sarnicky and I were at a trade show, and we ran into Hal Bruno, who was the uh, chair of the board at the time. And he said, "You know, I want to bring the the incident command system to the memorial. Uh, can Prince George's County do that? Can we bring people over?" Uh, Ron turned to me and said. You, can you find somebody to do it? I was Ron's executive officer at the time. And I thought, man, that sounds like a pretty neat opportunity. Um, don't know much about the foundation, so I volunteered myself. And uh, that's how I got started uh, running, doing what you do. But I'll tell you, back then, and you remember, because you were part of it, uh, you know, there were about, you know, five or six groups of folks about you know uh, we had teams essentially like engine companies and truck companies and we would deploy them throughout the campus and then when something was needed we'd run them out there and uh nothing like what you're doing today so that's that, that, that was no, no radios no radios and no cell phones so right. you give us an assignment it's just so everybody knows victor perched himself up on the third floor of building k overlooking the monument and the field so we come up for an assignment. He said, all right, you two guys go do this. So we'd go across the campus, do it, come all up, three flights up. What do you got for us next? Well, now go here. Three flights down. I, w- I walked it one week and I, I showed up weighing 290. I went home at 225. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. It I was a great command post, though. You had the, the view of the entire site. Yep. You know, it was really nice. Yep. But, yeah, for all you guys that had to do all the work, you were uh, you had to – run those steps every single time. And, 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 and there was about a dozen of us that did all of that work. And now today we have a team of about 30. So uh, it's, it's a little easier, but it's a little more managed. And, and uh, yeah, we come a long way with that. So we'll talk about long that. Way. Yeah. I'm going to switch over to Gary. Gary, why don't you give us a little background on your fire service career and kind of how you got here today? Sure. Uh, and thanks for having me on. Uh, always good to be with uh, you and Tommy and in the backstep nation, as I like to refer to them. Step nation. Uh, All yeah. right. So, you know, similar path as Victor started as a volunteer, um, 1989, and uh, was hired also and worked in Prince George's County, Maryland, uh, where I was. That's that's where I had the, uh, the the fortunate opportunity to get to know both Victor and Ron. Um, I got hired in 1994, 1996. I joined uh, our honor guard. Um, which uh, honestly was one of those life-changing moments. Um, and that's, again, how I got to know Victor. Victor was in charge of our honor guard, um, and Sarnicky was a big supporter of us. So we got to get, do a lot of cool stuff. <laughs> we got to go to a lot of cool places. 
uh, would represent uh, Prince George's County. And, uh, um, you know, I did 26 years there. I retired as an assistant chief. Last couple of years, I worked for the First Responder Center for Excellence, uh, FRCE, as the uh, program manager, overseeing the health and wellness programs, trying to prevent injuries, illnesses, line of duty deaths, um, and all of public safety, reaching out to the uh, law enforcement community, EMS community, and, um, you know, been a long, long time uh, supporter of the uh, Memorial Weekend. I think my first Memorial Weekend, it was part of the Honor Guard, um, 98-ish. Um, and it was, again, one of those life-changing moments where uh, I, I stepped on campus and knew this is what I had to be involved in for my whole life. Just knew it. And, uh, you know, fortunately, this position came open and, uh, you know, they, they were kind enough to take a chance on me. and. Here I am. Seconds count when responding to an emergency. Minutes save count when documenting your day. Emergency networking makes records management easier and faster with its Fire and EMS solution. User-friendly, complete online and offline functionality, highly customizable, all at an affordable price. For more information, please visit emergencynetworking.com. Good. Well, well, I, I know, and I get for the record, for those watching, also, uh, when Chief McGrath finished out his time with the the foundation as the incident commander for the weekend, I was his deputy IC. Before that, I was operations for thirteen years. So he stepped aside in twenty seventeen, and in twenty eighteen, I became the incident commander for the weekend. And I and I tapped Gary Critchbaum on the shoulder. I said, I need a number two, and and so we've been working together for six years doing that. And then this coming May of 2024 will be my last and my 25th, my 25th Memorial Weekend. Uh, since that, that that chilly October weekend in 1998, <laughs> 25 quick years went by, and, and I'm going to step aside, and, and Gary's going to elevate to IC, and we're excited about that too. So so good to have both of you guys on, and, and we're glad you're with us. Uh, thank you for your background. Uh, Tommy, I bet you got a burning question that's just digging a hole in your neck right now, right? <laughs> hey Ron, let me let me just add to the so, um, you know when. Uh, go ahead. <clears throat> there must be a delay for uh, for that guy in New Mexico. Oh, God. I was just going to say God, the um, you know our philosophy in Prince George's County when Ron and I were were there when Ron was chief and I was the executive officer uh, on the on the honor guard is they're just like a specialty team. You know when uh, you don't want to use them. But when you need them, you need them to be sharp, and that was that was kind of the way we went. So we we did have a you know really sharp honor guard that um, you know they were doing competitions and and when it was on, you know they were they were able to perform. So uh, you know Gary was part of that team, and uh, you know a lot of ripple effects from uh, from those guys and the unity that they had. So anyway, just thought I'd mention that, and I think you know it's just you could see that in the in our honor guards when they come to the Memorial weekend and how meaningful it is for the families. Yeah, absolutely. So Victor, can you tell me how things uh, in your eyes, how things have changed since the time you were riding an engine up until about now? Uh, you, you know, there's that saying it's uh you know, hundred years of tradition unhampered by progress, but that is not <laughs> true at all. You know, um, it is not, I agree. <laughs> you know, the, I agree. Uh, um, the technology that's being used, the, the gear, the equipment, um, the computerized uh, ways in which people are, you know, getting alerted and, and uh, being told where to go to scenes. Uh, and I think too, you know, even then it, there was a lot of demand on a company officer, uh, but today the demands on that company officer are so much greater. And you think about the knowledge that they need to have uh, just, uh, you know, uh, battery powered cars, you know, and that, that just that, you know, back then it was, you know, hazmat was the big thing. And, um, uh, but it's just dramatically changed in the, the demands of a fire officer and a firefighter, uh, compared to what it is today. Uh, so, I mean, in some ways, I'm, I think about, you know, I got done firefighting just in time, uh, cause I'm not sure I could handle it all, but, uh, 
it's it's pretty dramatic uh, changes. I you know that I, I'm kind of giving you a thirty thousand foot view of it, but you know that's kind of my my take on it is um, you know just the equipment, the apparatus, the technology, the the demands on the knowledge of a fire officer and a firefighter um, is unmatched compared to any our time any time in our history. I think. IFSTA is dedicated to updating firefighting techniques and safety through the creation of our manuals, apps, curriculum, resource one, and more. Our high-quality, technically accurate, and affordable training and education materials have made us a worldwide leader of the fire service. Visit us at ifsta.org for more information. Gary, I know you and Ron have had this conversation before of... uh... What do you guys think was the most technological advancement in the time that you've been on the job? And I, I know the the answer from Gary, but if you'd share that with everybody else, uh, I found it kind of fascinating. I'm trying to remember our conversation, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> what was what was my answer? I well, think uh, you both came up with the answer: self-contained breathing apparatus. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I recall too. Yeah, uh, the advance. Yeah, and, and you know, really, over the years, you you look at the technology, and and not only the technology, you look at the education that we received also with the breathing apparatus. Um, and I'm sure you know all all three of you remember the the days of cheater mask, and if you even wore a mask, and um, you know, they were heavy, they were small, they were, you know, pick an excuse why, you know, people didn't want to use them. Um, but, but you look at the, the integrated technology into it now with the, the pass alarms, there's more GPS that's being added to, to these packs. Um, so, you know, it's better for the incident commanders. Um, but I, I think, you know, more so, like I said, it's the education that we know, we know we need to use them. You know, it's not a, it, it's not a, a symbol of weakness or, you know, a, uh, a validation of how tough you are. <laughs> um, but, you know, look how much further we can go in, look how much longer we can last. And, you know, look how much, how much healthier we are. So. And I'll, I'll ask the question to, uh, to both of you of uh, how do you think the foundation has influenced change in the American fire service? Well, I'll start off. I mean, if you if you go back to 2004, when um, uh, the first Tampa meeting was held, uh, all the fire service organizations got together. Uh, and actually, uh, back in those right around 2004, 2005, I wrote a, an article for Fire Engineering about um, about that Tampa summit where the 16 firefighter life safety initiatives were developed. And it, well, they weren't developed by the foundation. They were developed as a consensus by the fire service organizations. And I think that was a turning point in the sense that it really focused on firefighter safety in a way that we had not focused on it before. And, uh, and I think that's been a huge influence on, uh, on the American fire service over the last two decades. Uh, you look at every organization has really put their stamp of approval on the fact that, uh, the best operational fire departments are the ones that operate very safely. And, um, and, and it's, it's just proven uh, time in and time out. And that's proven in every industry. So that, that, I think that's probably one of the biggest monumental changes the foundation has made over the last 20 plus years. Yeah. And, and totally agree with that, uh, Victor. Um, I, I think one of the greatest things so far that the foundation has been able to do is, um, make make the word safe, uh, not a, a dirty four letter word. Um, and you know, prior to a lot of prior to the foundation, a lot of their programs, I think uh, I think we were a riskier fire department um, based on you know what we've learned over the past years. And I, I think the foundation has been able to take the consequences of those riskier actions and bring those to the forefront. So again, it's about educating and, and making good decisions, uh, whether it's tactical or your health or whatever it is. So, you know, I, I think they had a huge impact 
on on the way that we're operating today and how we're going to operate in the future. You know, I, I remember when, when the, the Tampa summit was being developed and we were going to go to Florida. And I, and I remember the, 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 um, the reaction to Tampa. You know, Ronnie, Ronnie, Ronnie Sonicky was in one by 200 people and 300 people showed up. If you got, if you remember that, uh, I, I was there and all of a sudden we're dealing with the hotel. Hey, can you put 15 more tables in the ballroom and we got to feed more people? The people just showed up. I mean, without even t- saying they were coming. So the reaction was great. And we had done, we had done five or six, um, sessions at, at national conferences. I remember being in Baltimore. And we just put a, po- a poster outside the room. We're going to talk about injury and line of duty death prevention on behalf of the foundation. Uh, everyone's welcome. You know, it doesn't matter where you come from, who you are, you know, all walks of life, volunteer, career, military, we didn't care, man, woman, child, come on in. And I remember just facilitating that, those meetings. And then we put that all together. And then we had Tampa and, and uh, it was well received. And, and I asked Ronnie, I said, what, what, what do you think the chances are? that we're going to be successful. And he said, well, you have to understand something. The foundation, we're Switzerland. We're not management. We're not union. We're not volunteer. We're not career. We're everything. We take care of everybody. So we don't have to take sides here, whether it's right or wrong, in or, in or out, big or small. We're going to try to do this from a neutral plane. And and it was successful, you know, uh, uh, you know, in, in Ron's time. And we'll talk about Ron's time, but but he, he, that, that's what he was thinking at the time is like, you know, who, who can argue with us? We're the Fallen Firefighters Foundation, you know, and, and it, it turned out to prove itself out. So and, and, and one of the things was the logo. You know, it was the firefighter shield with the with the black band across and, and the, the red circle and the slash, you know, no more shields of black bands kind of thing. And, and he said, this is going to be the brand. He said, this is going to be our Mickey Mouse. You know, you picture a circle with two little circles. You automatically think Disney, right? He said this, and it is. That logo and sticker is everywhere. It's everywhere. So it proved itself out, and, and we were able to to deliver that program across the country pretty well, and we still are. We still are because firefighters retire, move on, get new kids in. They got to hear the religion too. Most, most fire academies have built in that four-hour lecture in their uh, Firefighter One curriculum, their Proby curriculum. So I, it, it's kind of, it's kind of working pretty well. So I'm, I'm going to switch gears a little bit, and I'm going to ask uh, you, you gentlemen uh, about the foundation itself. You know, from the time you started, you were in '98, Gary. You were also around '98, '99 with the honor guard. How do you think that the foundation uh, uh, has changed? You know, from the time you started as a Memorial Weekend volunteer, what have, what how have you seen the foundation morph into what it was to what it is now, Vic? Like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of enforced technology, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit TenkataFabrics.com slash Flex 7. Flex 7, powered by enforced technology. Only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Yeah, well, those early days, and you'll remember, Ron. It was uh, uh, it was four or five people uh, that worked for the foundation. Uh, it was genuinely a mom and pop shop. Uh, you look at uh, Prince William County, Prince George's, Montgomery. Uh, there were a handful of fire departments that were supporting the Memorial Weekend, and um, and that was it. You know, it was. Uh, we did all the family programs were on campus. And of course, uh, the security issues weren't as great in the 90s as, as they came after after 9-11. Uh, so it was easier to get the families on campus, that kind of thing. Uh, but it's just exploded. You know, we, we are an organization of about 30 people. We are we have two foundations now, the First Responder Center for Excellence and the NFFF, uh, the focus on the line of duty death prevention piece. The memorial itself has been rebuilt. It's uh, you know it used to just be those plaques that are on the ground, and then a second round of uh, of plaques. Uh, now there's that wall uh, that that we've added. So we're good for another twenty or so years. Uh, hopefully, we'll have a year. Maybe someday we'll have a year of no line of duty deaths, but we know that's very unlikely. Uh, and the the criteria has changed. 
Uh, I think, you know, foundation was uh, fundamental in changing the PSOB regulations for heart attacks and uh, strokes. We were honoring them, those firefighters that died from from strokes and heart attacks before PSOB recognized it. So, um, so that's another big change that has come. And now with cancers and suicide, uh, you know, there's some daunting tasks ahead of us. But uh, yeah, it's been pretty dramatic over the last 20 plus years. Uh, the footprint, it, you know, we're a small organization, but we have a big footprint. And that's uh, something that, you know, really something that Ron has has brought and, um, and he should be proud of. And we all are. Yeah, I, I agree. Gary, would, would you want to add anything to the how things have morphed, what you've seen? Yeah, just, um, you know, starting back in 98, I remember, uh, you know, the, the very first ceremony, you know, the pomp and circumstance and, you know, just how overwhelming that was, you know, the fire service comes together and does that. And then having the opportunity to be part of the command staff starting in 2006, seeing how the team operates behind the scenes, again, you know, mind-blowing um, experience the the people that we have that come from all parts of the country to help put that uh ceremony on is they're they're just you know beyond reproach i mean they're just a fantastic group of of individuals coming together um but uh, you know the one thing that uh really stood out to me over the years is um the amount of effort that goes into taking care of the families and the family programs that um, and the services that's provided for the weekend, um, it, it, it really a lot of people don't even know that that goes on. But to see that expand, you know, it started as just a peer to peer, you know, connection into, you know, incident commander to incident commander, company officer to company officer and, and being able to see how they have adjusted over the years to meet the needs of those affected by the line of duty deaths. It's, uh, it's truly remarkable and they do a fantastic job. And a lot of times are uh, no, with little recognition, I'll say. Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip, the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, Visit magnagrip.com. Yeah, and you know what? To add to that, I, I, what what both of you said, I, you know, a lot of folks don't know that that the foundation's cranking all year round. You know, there are programs going on, taking care of our own is going on, and they have family stuff, and they, and there's survivor conferences, and the burn camps, and all this other stuff going on. You know, all year round. So it's not just the Memorial Weekend. You know, for for those who are looking in on our podcast tonight, it's not just the Memorial. The foundation is cranking all year round, doing all kinds of stuff because we took a vow. We took a vow to take care of our families of our fallen. So it, there's a lot of stuff going on all the time. There really is. Uh, Tom, I've had to ask the question, and uh, yeah, I go back to thinking the the first time I met uh, Chief Sarnicki was when he was running for treasurer of the IAFC and uh, just kind of following his career, uh, the guy's a superstar. What was it like trying to follow in those footsteps? (laughs) Well, you know, um, there's a guy by the name of Ron Blackwell who became chief in Prince George's County right after Ron, uh, departed, uh, to come to the foundation. And, um, he's, his uh, swearing-in ceremony was actually uh, scheduled for 9-11 on the day, uh, and, it, and it ended up getting canceled. But um, uh, he said he said he got a call from his mom, and his mom told him, you don't have to be the best chief Prince George County ever had. You just have to be the best chief Ron Blackwell can be. And that's been my approach as I, as I take, take on the role. Um, you know, there's only one Ron Carnegie, you know, he's, he went from the days of, you know, he, he could get with four hours of sleep and he would just keep on going. And, um, you know, there's, there's never going to be another one like him. So, um, so it's, you know, it's challenging. And I, I recognize too, the, uh, the fact that he's been the face of the organization for over two decades. So when they say, here's Victor Stagnaro, the CEO for the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation, they're like, who's that guy? You know, and 
that's that's perfectly fine. Uh, I've been behind the scenes for a long time, and um, and I I like that role. Uh, so it's it's getting used to just you know being able to be out front and uh, uh, you know, for the sake of the families, for the sake of the mission, uh, not for my sake. So you know it's uh, it's daunting, but it's you know that's kind of my approach. Just be the best I can be. You know, I, 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 at FDIC this year, uh, Dave Rhodes, you know, he stepped into stepped into the role because Bobby Halton died suddenly, as as we all know. And Dave said something really profound on that stage. That he he hit it out of the park, as far as I'm concerned. But one of the things he said was, people were saying to me, "How are you going to fill Bobby's shoes? How are you going to fill Bobby's shoes?" And he said, in his speech, "I don't have to fill Bobby's shoes. Bobby had his own shoes." And he walked and traveled to this spot, and I'm wearing my shoes, and I'm walking and traveling to this yeah, spot. Yeah. And I thought he hit it out of the park with he that. Absolutely. Just- oh my gosh, he hit. In fact, I was listening to that speech, saying, "I'm taking notes." You know, he, <laughs> I'm taking he did a notes. fantastic <laughs> job, and he, yeah, I, I was feeling the same way he was feeling. In fact, uh, no, matter, no matter what, yeah, no matter what, you know, you're not that guy. Whoever you are, you're like when Brunacini retired. Who's going to be the chief in Phoenix? And you know what? They appointed the chief in Phoenix, and he did a great job. And yep. then he left, and someone else took yep. the job. And you know, not, not that we we forget what Brunacini did or what Sonic he did. We don't forget that. But it's a new person, and it's time to move on, and, and all that stuff. But but I think I think Dave just hit it out of the park. He I got my own shoes. He did. I don't want to wear his shoes. You know. He came so to stop, drop, rock, and roll that Thursday, and uh, you know we we shook hands, and and we had met previously but um uh he, he looked at me and he, right in the eyes he says uh, i guess we're going to be rookies together so that was that yeah what a good guy yeah he he totally nailed it yeah, he, yeah he's 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 a sharp dude you know uh i met dave years ago when he when he was in atlanta when he i think he was the president of the of the local in atlanta i don't know if you guys remember they had a big rescue uh there was a guy up in a in a crane on on a construction site and and they flew one of their one of their uh, rescue guys in a harness, and he plucked the guy off the crane, and then they, the the helicopter plucked them down into a parking lot across the street. Kid's name was Matt Mosley. Don't ask me how I remember that, but they 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 was the union president. Matt was was the hero of the moment, and they used that rescue to their advantage. And and Dave went to city hall, and he says, "I've been telling you, we need turnout gear, our rigs that we have that we could see through the floor of the rigs, and blah blah blah." And, the whole city of Atlanta was was freaking out with that rescue. I mean, it was unbelievable. And uh, he asked, he went on TV and he asked for support from the people in Atlanta. We're going to go ask for stuff that we've needed for a long time. Can you please come to City Hall and help us rally? And 50,000 people showed up in City Hall and got behind Dave Rhodes. And they got everything. They got parity pay with the cops, which they were trying to get. They got apparatus. They got breathing app. That one rescue. But Dave was, he was the mind behind that whole thing, man. And he, and and we're he's like I was saying we're expecting good stuff from him. We're already getting it. We're already getting it. So, but I, I, that remark about the shoes, I remember that d- distinctly. You know, so yeah, you got you you you're, you're your own guy and you do it your way, and that's that's just the way it is. You know, so so I'm going to ask you guys, um, what's your motivation? You know, uh, to 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 take on the foundation and and to perpetuate the foundation from the time you started, like to now, like there's there's something there that says this is good. Well, this is meaningful, or this is what you know—it's—it's—it's it's, it's righteous, or it's God's work, or whatever it is going through. So, what what motivates you? I'm, I'm going to jump to Gary first, if I may. So, Gary, what what's had you coming back for 25 years? What is so? You know, we, we talk a lot about uh, commitment. We talk a lot about dedication. You know, to to the fire service. Uh, most times when I'm on campus, um, I, I visit the memorial. I at least walk by. And I tried, I tried to read one name and, uh, what I remind myself, I remind myself two things every time I'm on campus and when, when I'm dealing with the foundation, uh, is that that's not just a name, that's a person. And behind that person are, are some real people that were affected by that tragedy. And, and I feel that I owe it to that person to do what I can to help their families or friends or colleagues, you know, move in a positive direction. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say move on because that's that's not a good terminology, but, you know, to do what I can. Um, 
And, and the other thing, Ron, is I am in awe of those folks that are on that wall that were that willing to risk everything, everything to help somebody else. Like I, that just, it, it, that's not an inspiration right there. Uh, but I, I try to remind myself uh, that each and every time. And then, you know, I always, I always try to a- ask a question when I'm, I'm making decisions or whether it's Memorial weekend or now in my new role is what, what would I want for my family? And, you know, th- those are the things I, I really feel that the fire service and just, just society, we owe it to those folks to do what we can to, to take care of their loved ones. So as corny as it sounds, that, that is my motivation. Well, you know, you know what? I, 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 it's not corny. I mean, not for guys that, that like us that have been in the middle of this thing for so long. It's not corny. That, that's from the heart. And, and if, if the, the firefighters who are watching this don't get it, come to the Memorial Weekend and you'll get but, it. You'll and, get and I use that terminology a lot. You know, you either get it or you don't. And, uh, you know, when people say, well, why, why do you do that? You know, and, and those are, those are, you know, the inspiring things that, that keep me going and keep wanting to do a good job. But, uh, you know, that, it's just in me, right? It's in you. It's in Tommy. It's in Vic. That, that is just, you know, you look at the guys that are, are guarding the tomb of the unknown soldier. When you ask them, you know, when it boils down, it's in them. That's, that's what they're supposed to do. So you either get it or you don't. You know, you know J- Jimmy McLaughlin, one of our honor guard commanders of the past. Um, at one point, he, he's he's a funny dude. He he made up these little pins, and there was a black pin with a red it, and he handed me one, and I said, "What is this?" He says, "You get it. It was an it pin." And he gave people it pins. You yeah. know, he says, "You're one of the guys that get it," and he handed out it That's pins awesome. to people who got it. You know, and I said, "Wow, this is like simple, but." It made sense to me, yeah. you know, Victor. What, what's what's had you coming back for tw- for twenty five years? Well, similar to Gary, you know the uh, uh, you know the, when that first Memorial Weekend and seeing the families uh, receive the flag, you know, have their loved one honored. Uh, it, it you get it, you know, you just one of those things that you know you just want to keep coming back and supporting that. Uh, and then you know, even more recently. Uh, just be when I'm with the families, it's um, it's re-motivating. Uh, I just recently had the opportunity to be at the men's retreat in Charlotte. Uh, one uh, Charlotte uh, Fire Department and, and Pineville uh, neighboring fire department uh, who had experienced a line of duty death recently uh, were instrumental in just rolling out the red carpet for our families. And it, it's just humbling to see what they do and how they support. And um and then to be with the men who's who've lost their sons, their dads, their brothers, and uh, and see that connection be made, uh, and you know having that peer support from one another and the bonding that occurs. Uh, you know, I stood up in front of them on the last day when I had to leave and said, you know, you, you motivate me. You know, they're thanking us. They're thanking the foundation. And this is a reflection, too, and I'll say, that you know, uh, Ron and Tom and, and Gary, you know, during the Memorial Weekend and, you know, all the accolades the foundation gets, that's that's a reflection of the work that all of you and, and, and the honor guards and everybody that comes to the Memorial Weekend. But when I stood in front of those men, thought I that's this is what motivates me to try to get there and, and do what more we can do to support those families. It's uh, it's humbling to be able to do it. And, and like Gary, when I'm on campus, uh, almost always uh, stop at the memorial. Uh, I don't. I might take up that uh, that habit that Gary has and read a name. I I usually go back through of the people that I know, you know, and, and I I read those names and I I try to reflect on you know their sacrifice and what their families went through. And uh, and that's been striking me even harder now um, in this role. Every time I hear about a line of duty death, I'm thinking about that family is now going through their worst moment, you know, and that department is going. We've known that at the department level. Right. We've known that. And some of us have experienced that. But to think of every time, you know, there's a knock on the door, um, it's it's motivating to do what we can to honor the fallen serve the families and coworkers and try to prevent. So it's, 
I don't have a problem getting up every morning doing what I do. And I'll, I'll end with it. Uh, there's a great Harry. You've, I've said it a lot. Harry Truman said, there's a hundred men that can do this job better than me, but it's mine to do. And that's, that's the way I feel every day. You know, I, I, I think we all, we all kind of visit the monument when we can, you know, what, but my thing when all the years I went to campus to teach, to teach for the NFA or whatever, my first stop was always there. No matter what, put my stuff in my room, take a walk over to the memorial, visit the guys who I knew like you did, you know, but, but for a long time. And I, I did it again in May when we were there, when I get, I have my part, my private moment, but out loud, I have to say it. And I say to them, we haven't forgotten you. You are not forgotten. I say it all the time. We're not forgotten. We remember. And we, 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 we will continue to remember. So everybody has their own their own little way of, of uh, you know. A question for the both of you is, uh, what do you guys see as some of the major issues that the, uh, the fire service is facing right now? And uh, what impact does the foundation have on those issues? Gary, why don't you go first? And so I just stopped talking. No, that's fine. That's fine. Um, so, you know, Tommy, I, I really think uh, dealing with the health and wellness uh, primarily for the last two years, um, I, I really think that we've only seen the tip of the iceberg uh, when it comes to mental health. Um, I, I think uh, I, I think some of our numbers are not truly represented, not because of lack of effort, just because there's so many variables to it. Uh, information is only, you know, as good as, you know, the data in, that comes in. But, you know, you look at a lot of studies um, just just on the American society, and there's over half, almost 60% um, of people are, are seeking some type of mental health treatment. So the fire service is not immune to it. Um, you know, the, again, these are just, these are individuals just doing a job. So they're, they're part of that statistic. Uh, what is compounded on it is I think we've done a tremendous job of creating awareness for mental health. Um, and, and we've done a very good job of uh, beating the drum uh, message of, you know, if you think you need help, go get help, go get help. Uh, uh, unfortunately, the help is very scarce. So we've overloaded the system. Um just to get into see somebody, much less somebody that knows about first responders, which is a different ball game, you know, when it when it comes to to mental health. Um, and then you know, compounding on that, a lot of insurances haven't caught up to our message of you know getting help, getting help early. Um, so again, you know, referencing the the, the study that I was looking at from the let's say the national council for health for mental well-being, I think it was, but uh, you know, a high percentage of, of their survey uh, respondents said that 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 was a top barrier was the lack of insurance coverage or the very little insurance coverage uh, for, for mental health. So again, the fire service is not immune uh, to, especially you look at some of the smaller departments, you know, across the nation, they're, they're just not able to provide that service. They don't have an EAP. They don't have a, a referral system. Um, I, you know, I know coming from the FRCE, uh, you know, that was one of the things that we're going to look at in 2024 is uh, bring some experts from the insurance world together for a roundtable to see how can we better support the first responders, both physically and mentally uh, through, through insurances. So um, I, I think I think that's going to be a significant issue. And then, you know, without going too in depth, but uh, sleep has really been studied in the last couple of years. And my goodness, what a contribution to everything that we talk about. Um, so I, I think that's going to play a big part into it and be very difficult, obviously, for first responders because we suck at sleep. So, uh, and, and there's really, there's not a, a good answer for it. Um, so I, I think we're going to struggle with that, but that's what I got. Yeah. Good points, Gary. And, and, uh, yeah, on the sleep piece, you know, I think we've also often, uh, 
just thought, well, that's just the way it is. You know, the, the fact that I don't sleep well, it's, you know, just common in the fire service and any, you know, so in any potential industry where uh, you're on shift work or long working long hours. So, yeah, I think that's going to be a very significant, you know, we've had the, uh, the opportunity the last couple of years uh, to work really close with the U S fire administration on uh, the summit for fire prevention and control. And, you know, those there, that's probably the area that uh, this one voice group is, is focusing on uh, some of the major issues in the fire service uh, so it, it boils down to uh, codes and standards. I think there's a lot of lot of issues there. You know, the nor- the the state of North Carolina, if I remember right, uh, they passed a law that you can't change the fire codes for ten years, and uh, and th- we've not caught up to their needs for fire codes when it comes to lithium ion batteries and and other things, uh, issues related to um, the fact that. Uh, some some jurisdictions are plucking the sprinkler requirements out of the code without understanding that there's when the code is made, assuming there's going to be sprinklers, the house is actually there's other things that are done so that the, a home is built to that standard. When you take out the sprinkler, it's actually now more dangerous for firefighters than it was prior to sprinkler legislation being in there. So um, that's, you know, that's putting our firefighters at risk. It's, it's a, as others have said, it's a 100 year problem because once that house is built, that's going to be some major issues uh, for, for the fire service. Uh, Recruitment and retention, um, wildfire, cancer, as, uh, as Gary was pointing out, cancer, cardiac, you know, the three major leading causes for firefighters that we honor uh, the last couple of years have been uh, cancer, cardiac, and COVID, the three C's. So, um, and there's a lot of uh, research that needs to be done on this long COVID thing. Uh, Denise Smith is doing some work, uh, hoping to get some some studies in. Uh, the number of heart attacks is increasing uh, from what we've previously seen, and there may be a relation to COVID uh, with that. So, uh, there's there's a lot of daunting issues for the fire service, um, but I'll also add I don't think there's a better time to be a firefighter. You know, there's there's a lot of studies being done. Um, you know, there, we are having a recruitment and retention issue, but we there are millions of firefighters that are doing just fine. That are you know, look at you guys. You know, a couple of re- retired uh, fire guys that are still having a good time and and still you know relishing. Uh, life every day. So, uh, you know, we need to get that message out too. So, sounds good. So I'm gonna, I, I, you know, I, when, we, you could spend, we could spend days on the issues, but I think you guys touched all the top, the top issues. So, you know, talked about the code before, you know, the, the thing I've been preaching for a long time is, is when a contractor uh, is looking for trade-offs, you know, I'll sprinkle this building, but I'm going to put one hour walls in instead of two hour walls. Okay. That all goes away when the sprinkle valve gets shut. Now you have a substandard building, whether it's people living in it or people working in it. Okay. Once we do the trade-offs and everybody's like, yeah, okay, fire official, building officials, building official says, okay, sprinklers in lieu of a two-hour wall, you got it. Shut the valve, all bets are off. So, you know, that those are the things that that, that have kind of been bothering me for a long time, that when, when, I, when I have a chance to teach in whatever venue I'm in, we talk about stuff like that, you know, like, be careful, don't, don't, uh, don't get bit. Um, so let, let's, let's kind of switch back to foundation again and uh, maybe start to enlighten us on what, what initiatives, projects, you know, what's coming down the pike and that kind of stuff, you know, what should we keep, be keeping an eye out for? So, uh, We'll start with the boss. Okay. Yeah. I'll go first this time. Yeah. Gary's going to punt it. Uh, no, it's, uh, you know, we, we really need to continue to be relevant. Um, you know, the, the we talked about, you know, some of the issues that the fire service is facing uh, for over 20 years. The, the foundation has been, you know, in the forefront of uh, trying to lead a change and, and uh, make it safer for our firefighters. Um, so, you know, that's, that's going to continue. Uh, I really want to focus uh, really strongly on the way we're supporting our families. Uh, I'd like to do some true research on, uh, you know, the research on grief. Uh, there's, I think there's a lot of benefit uh, internationally for 
that kind of research. Uh, we've got a we've got a pool of folks who who can teach us how to be better at it, um, and and what kinds of programs and things uh, can assist those families. So I just want to be better at what we do, and it's not to say that we haven't done great. We have, we've done really well under Ron Sarnicky's leadership. Um, but I think, you know, I really want to dig deeper into that, those areas to see how we can better support our families. Um, and, you know, there's some daunting tasks, the, the prevention piece. And, and Ron, you mentioned it. Thanks for teaching that, that kind of component. Um, I think our fire service needs to know it as much as the public. And uh, when we're, we're, we're looking at legislation that's probably not going to pass this year, but it probably will pass in future years on firefighter cancers. Uh, when PSRB changes their regulations, we will uh, adopt those changes and honor those firefighters automatically. We're already honoring firefighters that die of cancer, but it's got to come from the state. The state has to have some sort of paperwork. When it, when it goes federal, I think it's going to open up um, a lot of uh, firefighters that we will be honoring, rightfully so, and families that we'll be serving. And then the suicide. Uh, now that PSOB has changed the regulations for uh, firefighter suicide, and in some cases, those families will get the death benefit. Uh, we need to educate our, our firefighters and our fire service how to deal with uh, the issue of suicide in a lot um, more meaningful way. Yeah, and just uh, so... <clears throat> You know, to switch gears a little bit from the family, so so not to be redundant. Um, but I'm very excited about uh, you know our educational programs that are coming out within the next year or so. Um, the focus more on leadership, uh, which I, I am very excited because I, I really worry about um, how to associate the great information that we're getting from the research world into actual items. Um, that we can implement to reduce the line of duty deaths, injuries, and illnesses. Um, you know, we talk about the the up and coming generation. I don't like to say younger generation because that has a negative stigma to it. Um, but but I think there's a, a slight disconnect between uh, the generation that's uh, the the officers now because the information is so new, not really Im implementing and showing the next generation on the changes. So we have the information there. I don't think it's it's being completely utilized that you know that the next generation has the opportunity to learn from that because our job is, you know, no matter how many classes you take, it's a it's an on-the-job learning process. Um, so you know very excited. Um, you know I know they scheduled a couple staff rides. So the foundation had a staff ride this past year down in Nashville. Uh, very successful. They have uh, three more planned for next year, year and a half. Uh, there's there's other leadership classes, leadership management conference, uh, critical critical decision making under stress. So it's it's bringing that information to this next generation. So when they're in charge, they have the opportunity to uh, to you know use that information. Um, and then you know just to, to touch a little bit more on FRCE. Uh, focusing on the health and wellness of women. Um, and then 2024, we're looking and doing another health and wellness symposium. So a lot of good stuff coming up uh, from, from the foundation and, and the FRCE and just excited to be part of it. And, and if, I, if I may real quick, Ron, the, uh, if, if you're not familiar with Staff Rides, it, was, it started off uh, under Napoleon, as far as I, I can remember or what I'm told. And uh, so they would go to a battlefield and they'd have stands and they would stop and they would discuss what went well, what, what, what the decision making was. Uh, the first staff ride I did was with the Forest Service because the military picked it up and then um, the Forest Service has been doing it for quite some time. And you, you find yourself making the same decisions that were made the day of the fatalities. And it's really d amazing to... to be part of that process because when you read a NIOSH report or other reports, it's a very linear, uh, you know, study of that of that line of duty death. But here you are, you're you're facing the pressures that those crews were facing at the time, and you find yourself making the same decision. So the staff rides are really we uh, we're really good, and uh, we're commemorating uh, our Captain Jeff Bowen, 
who died in Asheville about 11 years ago uh, in that first structural shaft ride that we're doing. It's it's very meaningful and, and getting a lot of good feedback. Yeah, I'm hearing I'm hearing really good things about it too. You, you know, you had Gary, you alluded to the leadership and all the programs that that the foundation is doing. And I know Eric Hagman is is kind of our coordinator and he's kind of keeping things on an even keel for everybody. Uh, I, I had the the opportunity two weeks ago. Uh, you, you guys are at the Rock at, at the New York City Fire Academy in Randall's Island uh, for a couple of days, and I went to the twelve o'clock high class. And I got to tell you something. That was one of the most outstanding things I've ever done. I've ever seen. I went. I didn't go as, as a student or to teach. I went as an observer to see. I was curious, you know. And and uh, for you for you folks out there in TV land, <laughs> the foundation uh, borrowed something from West Point because I asked John Tippett, John, how'd you come up with this? And he said, he says, you know, the fire service model we steal with pride. He says uh, we we got it from West Point and and. We actually watched the entire movie, 12 O'Clock High. It was made in 1946. It was about the Army Air Corps and, and the bombers who were going in, in to, to drop their bombs, and they had a bad unit, and they bring a new general in to fix it. It's Gregory Peck, actually, a very young Gregory Peck, I might add. And and I remember seeing that movie a long time ago, and then what I told everybody else, like no one in the, in the room knew, it became a television show in the 60s. 12 O'Clock High was a TV show from 64 to 67, and uh, Robert Lansing actually took over the role that Gregory Peck had in the movie. And I didn't miss that show ever as a kid. But uh, so you watch, we watched the movie. It's about two hours. But before the movie, our staff, your staff, gives each table a character to follow and to, to record their leadership uh, styles. And then after the movie, we talk about all those leadership styles. It was, it was phenomenal. I, I'm telling you guys, if you haven't seen it, it's out of the park. And for those of you watching, if you want that leadership class brought to your fire department, contact John Tippett at the foundation. He's in charge of fire programs and have the foundation come to you. It's a, it's a one day gig. It's not even a whole day. They do a couple of different leadership things. They did lack in the morning and then this led us up into lunchtime. We actually ate lunch while we started watching the movie and it was out of the park, man. So, so there's some great, uh, great programs. Uh, the time during 2019 into 2020, I was doing some contract work for the foundation, and one of my jobs was to update all of the the static type programs. Everyone goes home. Everything with slides. I must have updated four million slides, right? But we did. We and now now they, they do for update again, and, and that's what the team is working on. So the, the the programs of the foundation never get stale. They never go out of style, and they're all good. So and you, there's some self self uh, self taught things you can go on and do some stuff yourself. Uh, you just got to open an account. It's free. It's out there for you. It's free training, man. So just take advantage of that. But the, the 12 o'clock high, out of the park, man. It was a grand slam. It was very, very cool. Very, very cool. We'll, we'll make sure we tell John that. <laughs> yeah, do that. Uh, I've, got the, uh, I've got the roll call if you're ready. I, you know what? The, I got We got one more question for the guys, I, and it's a quick one. Uh, and we're going to go to Tommy does does our roll call at every show. But uh, anything on both of you guys, quick, does anything keep you up at night about the foundation or, like, what's going on? I know we already say we suck at sleep. We know that. But are they, are they, other than the usual, I got to do this tomorrow, I got to – but really big issues that keep you up at night now that you guys are in charge uh, and running the whole uh, the whole uh, kit and caboodle, like they say. So I'll let either one well, of you jump boss, in. Boss, I'll, I'll take this one. So, you know, it used to be – you know, I touched on it, how to how to get the information that we have and, and make it usable for the fire service. But uh, with this position, I tell you what keeps me up at night. Don't screw this up. <laughs> there is there is a lot of folks relying on us doing a good job and there's no room for error, no room for failure at all. Um, so that's what keeps me up at night. Don't screw this. So it's the old, the old, the old NASA saying, right? Failure is not an Failure option. Not right? an option. That is so true. That is so true. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, when and I hear that question, it's I, I'm always reminded it was um, uh, there's Army general. Uh, they were asked, you know, what what keeps him up at night? He says, I sleep really good at night. It's my job to keep my enemy up at night. Uh, but we don't, you know, for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's it's it's daunting, you know. It's as I look forward to you know the the responsibility of the job, 
Um, you know, if I think about it too much, it can be a little crushing. But the nice thing is, you know, the decisions I make and the decisions Gary and I uh, make, um, you know, they're not life and death situations like we when we were in the fire service. So we have time to think it through. Uh, but it's, you know, I really want to look long term. You know, how are we going to uh, sustain what the organization needs for the sake of the families and the fire service long term? And that's that's kind of my focus right now and trying to trying to live the day to day and get the day to day done. But, um, you know, how can we uh, position ourselves so we're in in good shape 10, 15, 20 years from now. Great. So, Tommy, I'm going to turn it over to you. Would you kind of do the roll for us, please? Yeah, the uh, last time we were on was uh, September 18th. And since uh, then, uh, we've suffered nine line of duty deaths. Uh, Troy Thompson from Seven Springs, North Carolina, made the supreme sacrifice on October 4th. Uh, passed away from an unknown medical uh, while working a vehicle accident. Earl Dyer from uh, Richmond, Virginia, uh, died on October 5th, uh, unknown medical at the fire station. Uh, Adam Hart from Herbert Field, Florida, on uh, October 5th, also an unknown medical at the station. Uh, Timmy T.J. Johnson from Warren, Pennsylvania, passed on October 17th, uh, suffered a heart attack after responding to a call. Uh, Cameron Craig from uh, Abingdon, Virginia, passed on October 19th, uh, died from injuries sustained in an apparatus crash. Uh, Rodney Pitts III from Baltimore, Maryland, uh, uh, made the sacrifice on October 19th uh, uh, while operating at a structure fire in the city of Baltimore. Uh, Colin Reedy from Exton, Pennsylvania, passed on October 20th, uh, suffered uh, injuries from a vehicle accident in his private vehicle while responding to a call. Uh, Anthony Tony Hoffman from Iona, Iowa, uh, died on uh, October 22nd. Uh, the Polaris ATV that he was operating uh, crashed into a uh, piece of fire apparatus, and he uh, sustained injuries and passed from that on October 22nd. And uh, lastly for this show, Dylan Ronaldo, also from Baltimore, Maryland, passed away on October 25th uh, from injuries sustained that also took the life of Rodney Pitts uh, back, and he died from his injuries on October 25th. And as Ron and I always ask, uh, keep the families and, and the departed uh, in your thoughts and prayers, and there will be answers coming out as to actually actually what occurred at some of these incidents, and we need to heed the lessons so we're not uh, repeating them over and over. With that, man, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you guys coming on. It's great to see both of you. And uh, Ron, that's all I got. All right, yeah, I, let me let me uh, double up the thanks to Victor and Gary. Uh, uh, we, all, we all know each other a long time already, and we work together and I think we're a, we're a hell of a team. I'll, I'm going to say mm -hmm. that because I, I can. Right? It's our show. We can say anything we want, right? But uh, we, we appreciate you guys giving up some time. We, we know how busy you are, and we know how important your mission is because we're kind of part and parcel to your mission. We get it. But thanks for getting on a backstep with us uh, tonight, and uh, we appreciate everything you're doing for the foundation. We're looking forward to, to, uh, to add more no sleep. We're looking for big things and big accomplishments from you guys. So there's another reason to stay up at stay night. Up Peer now. pressure. Right? Yeah. sleep for me tonight. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Hold, so hold everybody, Ron and Tom, I'm all, for, I'm all for that. And thanks for honoring the following the way you do. Yeah, with 10-4, it's, 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 it's our honor to do it. So until we're up on the back step again, everybody, uh, be safe, slow down, buckle up, eat right, eat light, stop for red, use your head. Watch how you drive, arrive alive, hug your wife, hug your kids, hug them tight when you say goodnight. Don't forget. So uh, we'll be on the back step again soon. And uh, any second, our producer, Mark Howe, is going to take us out with some really wicked music. Mark, it's all yours, buddy. Bow, 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 bow.
Seconds count when responding to an emergency. Minutes save count when documenting your day. Emergency networking makes records management easier and faster with its Fire and EMS solution. User-friendly, complete online and offline functionality, highly customizable, all at an affordable price. For more information, please visit emergencynetworking.com. IFSTA is dedicated to updating firefighting techniques and safety through the creation of our manuals, apps, curriculum, resource one, and more. Our high-quality, technically accurate, and affordable training and education materials have made us a worldwide leader of the fire service. Visit us at ifsta.org for more information. Like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of enforced technology, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit TenkataFabrics.com slash Flex 7. Flex 7, powered by enforced technology. Only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip, the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, visit MagnaGrip.com. 